Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Oh man, I am so thankful to to get to uh, deliver the word of the Lord today to you guys. We found such unique family here and I was reflecting on the opportunity and thinking about how hungry this family is. This, this particular local church is extremely expectant and hungry is the right word for the Lord. And that's really special. It's something I noticed right off the bat. I suspected it all along and then experienced it firsthand. And so um, if you've ever had the chance to do anything publicly, um, give a, uh, a message to your, to your business world, whatever it is, if the people on the other end are enthusiastic and excited and expectant, it's not work, it's just opportunity. And uh, we've been in places before where you lead worship and the room is so hungry that they just literally kind of grab you by the shirt as the worship leader and yank you along with them. And you're just kind of like, okay, I guess we're, we're going and it's just really easy. And so I was reflecting on this morning and saying, man, it's just such a hungry place. And that's so delightful. And now I feel like the Lord's saying something right off the bat here to us. And I feel like he's saying that if, uh, if you have been hungry before, but you're kind of in a place right now where you feel like you're not as hungry as you've been, and that God wants to give you your hunger back. And if you've ever been hungry for something, then you can appreciate the satisfaction of being full. But if you haven't really been hungry before, then you really don't appreciate as much the full feeling that you get when you remember recently how starving you just were. And I feel like the Lord right now is saying that there's some, some folks who have been hungry, but maybe you're like, I'm part of this family, but I, and I hear what he's saying about a hungry room and a hungry, hungry family, but if I'm honest with myself, I'm not as hungry as I've been before. I feel like God wants to give you your hunger back this morning. If that's you, would you just put your hand on your heart right now? Nobody even needs to, to look around, but if you say, you know what? I've been hungrier before than I am today for God. I just feel like right now God's saying, hey, today's your day. I'm gonna restore hunger. I, I, I speak hunger pangs into you right now that have once existed, but you've forgotten the feeling of. And I bless you with an appetite for the kingdom. Um, in the name of Jesus, right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would deliver unto our bellies a hunger for you and for your kingdom. Past knowing about it, but actually participating in it. And for anybody that's here today, who would say, I don't know that I've ever been hungry before. In fact, I don't know that I even really know that my journey's begun. I pray for hunger pangs right now to be developing for the first time in the pits of some stomachs. In Jesus' name right now, Lord, restore unto us hunger in Jesus' name. Amen, I bless you with that. Yeah. If you're hungry, he will feed you. That's a promise from the Lord. So when I started putting some thoughts together for our time today, I really was excited about the idea of the gift of faith. It's kind of my personal uh, pet preference part of God 
maybe you have different little arenas of God that you're like, man, I gotta work to, to really you know, walk with the Lord in this area, but these other areas over here, um, you know, it might be evangelism, it might be what you're gifted at in the fivefold ministry in Ephesians 4. You know, we've talked some about that. For me, it's this gift of faith. It's, I wanna find out what the impossible things are and then pray for them. But as I started to try to put some ideas about that together, I kept kind of drifting over here to this idea of the renewed mind and the power of a renewed mind. And I was like, well, that's necessary, I think. But I really wanna talk about the gift of faith over here and, and the, the impossibilities that seem like they are, but God comes through and saves the day. And then I'd kind of find myself back over here thinking about you know, the, the renewed mind. And then I realized, wait a second, these things are congruent. They're actually quite the same because you don't identify and get to see a situation as possible for God to come through if your mind's not renewed enough to identify it, to see it in the first place. And so it actually fits quite nice. And so I feel like the invitation on the table from God to us today is to realize the power of what a renewed mind, of what different thinking actually does for us, what it sets us up to do. And I think it's appropriate because it seems like if you're writing a book this year, you're writing about your thought life. It just seems like from every angle it's coming at us that people are waking up and, and talking about that you go the direction that your thoughts take you. And it's actually what Joel was just talking about in that transition time right then is that it's possible that we view in our own mind ourselves as an enemy of God. And God's like, hey, I have bridged the gap, buddy, for you to come to me today clean and pure and simple, but it's the blockade in our mind that keeps us from actually doing it. And so I just feel like it's so relevant this morning and, um, and really appropriate for what God's saying. And so the keynote verse, of course, a lot of us know it is Romans 12, two, and it says, do not be uh, conformed to the pattern of this world, but instead be renewed by the transforming of your mind, by the renewing of your mind, be transformed by a new set of beliefs, a new thinking pattern. And I think it'll help us to imagine our minds as a garden, and we're the gardeners, and there's all kinds of things planted in the garden of our mind. Some of the things you planted there, other things that grow in your garden, other people put there. Uh, some other things the enemy may have put there. There's some things planted in your mind that God put there. Uh, there's some other things planted in your mind. You don't know where they came from. <laughs> You're just like, I don't recognize that bush. I don't know who put it there. I don't know how it got there, but it's grown in my mind. Recently, we were uh, in Florida um, over spring break and we were with Natalie's aunt and uncle and we were fishing in the backyard pond that he had dug and it's been there for quite some time now. And he had put some fish in there and it's deep and it's a, it's a good place for, for um, starting beginner fishermen because you're a, you're a sure catch. And so you throw, you know, throw your, your line in there and you get a big, big catch. And so we pulled out, a, I think he called it a butter cat, a butter cat fish. And uh, Natalie's uncle, he's, he's kind of your good old redneck boy. He says, oh, a butter cat. How'd that get in there? Is, is that, oh, or Natalie's, is that a good impression of him? Uh, how'd that get in there? And uh, we're like, yeah, how did that get in there? If you didn't plant it, you know, fish don't necessarily, you know, grow legs and walk from one pond to another pond. How, how did it get in there if you didn't put it there? And he's like, oh, the birds, the birds are to blame. They, they'll land somewhere and then the little fish eggs get on their legs and then they fly and they fly over the pond or maybe they drop for a drink or something. And, and that's how the, 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 the fish get hatched in my pond. No matter how the thoughts that are in your garden of your mind got there, what God is saying to us is that because of the spirit of God in us, we can garden well our mind. We can cultivate 
the, the, the plants that we want in there and, and, and we can help them to grow and we can foster them. But we also, through the spirit of God, can pull the ones that don't need to be in there. And I think what God is saying to us today is if you can get the gardening right in your mind, then you can be such an influence for the kingdom of God being built in the world around you. And that's where we wanna be. That's where we wanna live, hands down. And I think that to be, um, to be a, to go from a, caterpillar in like a cocoon to like a butterfly in the sky, that metamorphosis, for that to happen in our lives, there has to be mind renewal. And that's, gotta, that, that's intentional. That's part, part of it's coming to the house of God. It's being around the people of God. It's singing the songs of faith, but it's also being aware that you are a major player in the advancement and the building of God's kingdom. You're not just a spectator, but you are a participant. And that's what God wants for you. One helpful shift I think in my thinking has been to realize that my ultimate assignment in life is not to die and go to heaven. Um, I'm glad that that's my future. I'm glad that that's the future of most of us in the room. Um, I hope by day's end, it's the future of all of us in the room. If it's not, that would be goal number one, step number one. But that's not my assignment to go to heaven when I die. My assignment's actually to take heaven and bring it to right here, right now. That's my assignment. And to me, to, to, to think that way, to understand that the byproduct is living in eternity with Jesus on into eternity, that's great, but that's really not my focus. My focus is what is God doing right now around me that brings that place here around me. And so I think that's part of mind renewal is, is realizing that that's actually the assignment. That's actually what God's up to with me. And... Um, Faith doesn't come from my mind. Faith actually comes from my heart. So when the Bible says that when you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. So faith is a heart issue. But what God's inviting us to do today is to renew our mind. Well, faith doesn't come from our mind. Faith actually is in our heart. But what the mind does is it gives the faith that's alive in your heart a channel way, a pathway to be activated, to actually do something, to actually get something done, to accomplish God's will. If, if, if the ultimate goal is just going to heaven when I die, then it would be appropriate for the faith just to stay pooled inside my heart because it's, it's just hanging out there and it doesn't need to do anything until get me, get me to heaven when I die. But since that's not the ultimate goal, now I need my mind to play a major role in doing something with the faith that's in my heart, which is to create uh, an embankment of sorts for the faith that's alive in me to be able to flow and to carve and to channel. You know, the, the Bible talks about God in you as being more of a river than a lake. Rivers actually carve the geography and shape the landscape wherever they go. A lake, on the other hand, just finds wherever the carving's already been done and just kind of pulls up in there. It kind of got there by default and there it is hanging out. It's really not doing much, but a river, on the other hand, is on the offensive. It's aggressive. It's coming out of you. And I believe that, that the spirit of God in you is a river who wants to flow through you. He wants out. He's in you and he wants out. And he wants to keep coming back in and keep coming out. And it's this cyclical pattern of God's flow through us. And I'm not sure we ever see it or participate with it if our mind's not renewed to see it and to think in that direction. 
And so I think it helps to, to realize God's a river in me more than he is a lake in me. So I thought I'd tell you guys a story this morning. Um, it's a story uh, of probably my first and probably my most prominent encounter with realizing that God's at work all around us all the time. And if we have our mind renewed, we'll see it and we'll do something with it. I, I think about all the moments probably that God's been inviting us to partner with him. And we weren't ill-willed, but we just didn't see it. We just weren't aware. We, we were just ignorant. Um, maybe we were aware and, and chose not to participate for fear or for insecurity or for whatever reason. But I think there probably have been a lot more times where God has been inviting us to do something with him and we just didn't see it because our mind wasn't practiced and conditioned yet to, to notice it. But um, in 2004, Natalie and I, we weren't married yet. I hoped to, to marry her. Um, we were outside of a, the Longhorn football stadium in Austin and we were uh, walking to our car. We were walking down the sidewalk and just looking for where we parked at. It was really crowded around us. And uh, this guy starts walking down the sidewalk towards us. And I learned his name was Alan because there was a girl chasing behind him and she was saying his name, Alan, stop, wait, hang on. And she was in distress, I could tell. And so um, Natalie squeezed my hand a little bit as if to say non-verbally, do you see this commotion come in our direction? And I kind of gave her hand a little light squeeze back as if to say, yeah, I can see it. And uh, it got closer and closer. And I realized that Alan and me were gonna collide. We were gonna bump into each other if one of us didn't change course. And so I thought, I better sidestep this guy or we're gonna bump into each other. And, and that's not how I envisioned the night going. So right as we were about to collide, I just, you know, I'm walking on my side of the sidewalk. I don't know if there's correct sides of the sidewalk to walk on, but I'm on the right side and figured he'd be on the, his correct side, but he's not, he's on my side. And granted, there's a lot of people around us. And so anyway, we step off into the grass and Alan goes by my shoulder and I hear, um, what did you say to me? And I thought, oh man, I didn't say anything to him. <laughs> So he can't be talking to me. He's gotta be talking to somebody else. And I just mind my business, keep holding Natalie's hand and keep walking this direction. And I hear it again. I said, what'd you say to me? And now I hear the actual feet on the pavement that is noticeable past all the other feet that are walking on this because the repetition of patter, patter, patter is quicker. And I'm identifying it and I'm thinking, oh man, he is talking to me. And so I turn around just in time to see old Alan face to face, eyeball to eyeball with me. And the first thing I noticed was that at least he was my size, that we were looking eye to eye with each other. And I thought, you know, if this thing comes to blows, at least he's my size. I mean, it could have gone a lot worse where I'm actually looking up at old Alan or something, you know? And so um, he's screaming, what did you say to me? And I can smell the alcohol in his breath. And I realized that, you know, wow, we're in for it here. And uh, I had a couple of thoughts um, and I really did. I don't know how the mind, again, renew the mind, right? How does the mind compute? This is why God wants you to renew it because it's capable of so much. I feel like I computed so much information in about a nanosecond measure of time as my life is about to flash before my eyes. I've never been in a fight in my life, still haven't to this day. So there's the giveaway on how the story ends. I'm O and O in my fight record. And Alan is screaming at me and I think to myself, run. Just take off. You used to run track. You're, you're pretty you know, light on your feet. You can probably outrun this guy and get away from him. And uh, why don't you do that? And then later catch back up with the girl that you hope to marry one day and be like, hey, how did that thing work out for you and Alan back there? Did you, you, you source things out? And I thought, well, you gotta scratch that option off the list because you know, you're not gonna win the girls um, of your dreams heart that way. 
My second thought was, I probably can take this guy. You know, I mean, I work out a little bit and he's, he smells like he's drunk. He's probably, you know, not like, which one of you is the real you? And I probably have some advantages here to go in, go in my direction. And I remembered a conversation that some high school football buddies had had with me uh, my senior year of high school, which at this point was about um, four or five years prior to this event happening. And we were in the locker room one day after practice and about four different teammates how we got to talking about it, I don't know how any conversation in a guy's locker room starts. And they say, well, uh, you've never been in a fight before. One day you'll get in a fight. And I just remember telling them, no, I don't think I will. That's just not my MO. That's not who I am. And they would say, no, they're gonna say something about your mom one day and it's gonna offend you and you're gonna end up going to blows with them. And I just remember thinking, well, I mean, not in an effort to be super spiritual or anything, but just to not get beat up. I think what I'll do is I'll just pray right there in the moment uh, for them. And then maybe hopefully, fingers crossed, they'll think I'm so weird or something that they're trying to fight me and I'm actually praying for them that they'll be like, hey, your, your punishment doesn't need to be my fist across your face. It's actually your weirdness because you don't understand how this works. And, and so uh, I'll just, you know, let you be. And that's kind of in my mind what I explained to these guys, what my defense mechanism was going to be. Well, I remembered that as I'm having this interchange here with Alan, exchange with him, and he's screaming, what did you say to me? And I thought, well, it's time to put your money where your mouth is. What are you going to do? And I said, Alan, I said that it looks like you need prayed for. And he said, blank, yeah, I need prayed for as if to see, say, can't you see my sad state? And I thought, oh, well, I didn't expect that. So I said, okay. So I put both of my hands on Alan's shoulders in the middle of a crowd of people outside of the Memorial Stadium in, in Austin. And I said, okay, oh God, I pray that you would come right now. And as soon as I prayed that, Alan broke and began to weep and cry. He, then the, the arm's length thing wasn't working for him anymore. He bear hugs me, pulls me in close, snots all over my shoulder, eyes wet, the whole thing, all this moisture right here on the shoulder. And my adrenaline starts racing. And so I start praying even louder. Oh, Jesus. And I'm calling out. And part of it's my adrenaline and my nervousness. And the other part is a compassion for this guy who's broken in my arms right now complete stranger. A crowd gathers around us. Natalie's still there. And um, the girl who we learned his name by was still there. Natalie tried to console her actually and put her hand on her back. And she dodged her and said, this is weird. Get away from me. Life was already weird, but now it's really weird. And so Natalie's like, cool, I'm over here if you need me. And she said, people were around saying, what is going on? You know, are they, are they drunk? And Natalie's like, one, I think one of them might be, um, you know, <laughs> what is happening right now? I finished praying for Alan and I mean, he wouldn't let me go as soon as I said, amen. And he's just got these tears coming down his face. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, if there's such a thing as ugly cry, it was, <laughs> be sobbing heavy. It was a commotion. It was a brilliant commotion. And he told me, he said, thank you so much for that. He said that um, my mom got murdered three weeks ago in Houston. And we have season tickets to the Longhorn Games and I had to get away from my life in Houston. He said, I'm also really short and I feel like everybody my whole life has looked down on me and never given me any credit for anything. And I was like, hey, I feel you, brother. You know, God, God loves short people. And he said something I'll never forget. He said, I walked into tonight not having any hope at all. He said, but I'm walking out of here knowing that there's hope for my life. And I thought, you've gotta be kidding me. I was just trying not to get beat up. I'd love to say I saw it for what it was, but I, I think it was just, it was my game plan. I'm sticking to the game plan. And then a cop came because he saw a crowd of people, I guess. 
And he pointed at Alan. He didn't point at me, he pointed at Alan. He said, Alan, get over here. He didn't say his name. He said, hey, you get over here. And uh, Alan turned around and said, can't you see I'm talking to a preacher? (laughs) And the cop said, "Uh, I don't care, get over here. And so Alan walked over there. He sat down on the the curb next to the, um, I I think it was, I don't know if it was a car or what, because it was so crowded. And he just kind of put his head in his hands like this. And the crowd broke up and Natalie and I were free to go and walk on our way. And I learned in that moment, in that moment and also in reflecting on that story, um, the most valuable, I think, lesson of my entire life. And that is that every single situation that we're in, whether they're extravagant, detailed like that, or maybe simple situations, God is in that situation. And if my mind is heads up enough to see it and gutsy enough and ri- to, to risk it, to do something, to invite God into it, then God will absolutely show up on his end of the deal. And I feel like it's changed, it's changed me. It's, um, it's shaped me um, to, where, to where I wanna be more aware of, to where I am more aware of the river that's in me and not just a lake that's in me. It's a river that wants to shape and touch and affect every area of my life, every arena of my life. Now, I'm not saying that I'm gonna try to turn every single encounter I have into some major affair where everything stops and the Holy Spirit comes, but I am saying I'm gonna be aware in case that is what needs to happen and that I wanna be tender to that because I know God has a heart for people and we exchange with people all the time. And so I wanted just to share that to say, um, I've experienced a little bit of what it means to have your mind renewed in a moment of what to expect. And I'm on a journey to try to live like that the rest of my life. And I believe that's the invitation that God has for us all. I think that um, on that note, I think that, uh, that, that scripture plays a part in this, but it's not the only part. I think that it's, it's easy to say, well, so long as I study my scriptures, then my, not, my mind will be renewed. I think that studying the scripture is so necessary and so essential for the believer, but I also think it's the beginning place for the process of mind renewal, but it doesn't stop in just studying scripture. Jesus's whole model was to teach the disciples, but also to invite them to do as he did. And so there's all kinds of people, sadly, who know all about Jesus and his miracles. Maybe they even study the Bible multiple hours a day on end, but have never actually partnered with Jesus in performing one before. And so what I wanna say to us is we can't just say it's intellect alone, that the mind being renewed just is about an intake of information and learning in scripture, but there's also a risk element of demonstrating the faith that's in our heart that comes when you actually put the doing. Don't just be doers of the, or hearers of the word, but be doers also is what scripture says. And so I feel like, yeah, that's an important part to, uh, to remember. Um, Jesus made a really bold and a little bit scary of a statement when he said, I don't do anything apart from what I see my father doing. On one hand, that's encouraging to us. And it's actually, it's actually the hand we need to live on. On the other hand, it's kind of scary because it's like, you're Jesus, you're God. And you're saying you can't do anything unless you see the, whole, the, the father show you first. And the reason that I believe he did that was because he wanted to be a model for us to say, hey, look, this is what it looks like to be a human being who's dependent on the father and by the power of the Holy Spirit can heal the sick and cast out demons and cleanse the lepers and raise the dead. This is how you too can do it. And so it makes complete sense when you understand why Jesus said, I've, re- I've chosen to restrict myself so that you can know what it is and how it is 
to live out your faith and be a part of the big plan of God on the earth. If Jesus had done miracles as God, it still would be impressive, it'd be impressive but we'd just be re reduced to an observer. We would just be somebody who sits back and claps our hands and says, wow, that's amazing, God, you're amazing. What you can do, that's fantastic. I'm, but then we're just grandstand observers to God's story. He's actually invited us in to be participants as well. And now the same Holy Spirit that used to just uh, rest on the prophets of old now actually dwells in the hearts of the believers. When the church shows up on the scene in the New Testament, it's a complete new game because now it's actually Jesus saying, do as I do, not just be impressed by what God can do, but actually participate. Now it's, it's God who does the, the miracle. It's God who builds the kingdom, but he's chosen for us to be the conduit for him to build it in. And so it's, it, it's, it's a, it takes your mind realizing that and saying, okay, then I'm gonna look for that. I'm gonna expect that. I'm gonna train for that. I'm gonna be about that. Matthew 10 is a scripture where Jesus gives some commissions to his disciples and he gave a number of them. Verse seven, Matthew 10 says, as you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy and drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. And it's just so eye-opening to me that he didn't say pray for the sick. He didn't say pray for the dead to raise. He said, do it. You say, well, I can't do anything. I'm not God. I don't have healing power. He does. That's true. It's just not what he said. What he said was for you to do it. And you can see, you can almost hear in this text, the disciples who are listening saying, oh, oh yeah, their minds changing and transforming and shifting the way they've believed before to the way they're going to start believing now. This verse, Romans 12, 2, that we mentioned, it says, don't be conformed to this world. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then it goes on. It says that you may prove the will of God, that which is good and perfect, acceptable and perfect. A transformed mind transforms a person and a transformed person then transforms their city and a transformed city then shapes the nations and it goes out. And so it's this Co collective grouping of people who understand what it is to have a transformed mind, new thinking, not the old way I think. Yeah, but I, I, I grew up this way. My experience says this. Well, what if God's inviting you to think a different way, to believe a way you've never believed before, but it's actually what's outlined for us and what Jesus's whole intent was by training his disciples to do. And now you get the picture and you join the momentum and we see revival come in a way that we've been expecting it to come. That's the heart. That's really the goal. It's not to go to heaven when we die. It's that heaven would come here to us at the hands of God moving through us. What's the will of God? That we prove it. That a renewed mind, what does that prove? It proves the will of God. What's the will of God? Well, the most accurate picture, I think, would be what Jesus prayed when he said, hey, pray like this. Your kingdom come here. Your kingdom come, which is the king's domain, the realm of where God is. Where God is, everything transforms. Everything changes. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think that the renewed mind proves on earth as it is in heaven. I think that that's the key. That's the ticket that opens up heaven coming to earth is believers who have a renewed mind. So all the commissions that Jesus gives, all the goes and do's that he tells us, I think they all find their, their place underneath of the overarching heading, heading of heaven come to earth. 
I think it all falls underneath that as God's primary big will that he wants to have happen. I think that's what Romans 12, 2 is telling us. And so um, if you've got a Bible, you might open it up to Mark, Mark 4 and also Mark 6. I wanna read two stories in our time uh, for the rest of this morning together. I think Mark is probably the most helpful book in the Bible when it comes to the renewed mind. I think that the stories that, Jesus, that are told in Mark of how Jesus is training his disciples and training all of us tells a lot about the renewed mind. So Mark chapter four, verse 35 says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along uh, just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it nearly swamped them. Now Jesus was in the stern of the boat, sleeping, hello, on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up and they said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drowned? And he got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And then here is the kicker. If the story ended there, we would probably understand it, okay? But now verse 40 says, then Jesus said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? This is a little bit of a tough one because you feel like the disciples did everything they were supposed to do if your mind hasn't been renewed. What, who is Jesus? Jesus is God. What is talking to God called? Prayer. The disciples had a problem. There was a big storm. So they prayed to God to come through for them and save the day. God actually does. He answers their prayer. The end. Isn't that where it ends? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Isn't that what I've been doing my whole life? I got a problem. I decide to put, put, put God as the one I go to on the, 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 the phone line here. God, I got a problem. Would you answer it? God answers it. Voila, that's how it happens. Except that Jesus says, why don't you have any faith? to which they've gotta be scratched their heads saying, what do you mean? Why don't I have any faith? I just went to you instead of the doctor when I got the news. I just, I just asked you to, to do this thing rather than going over here to CBD oil on my body. I mean, I went to you, Lord. What do you mean? Why don't I have any faith? What does he mean by that? Well, I think that we have a couple things to learn from this story about the renewed mind. I think the first thing that it tells us is that it's important to realize that God sometimes would rather do something through you than for you. The disciples had been being trained this whole time by Jesus to calm the storm on their own by the power of Jesus in them. Do you not know who you are? Do you not know what you carry? And so when Jesus says, why don't you have any faith? It had to be this moment of mind renewal for them to realize, oh, we, we could, because of who we are, we could have done that. And I think that's a big deal. I think the second thing, um, that we need to realize is that we give what we have. Jesus gave peace. He had it to give. He was sleeping in the storm. You, I think you have authority over any storm that you can actually sleep in. Thank you very much. There is a uh, coworker of mine um, and uh, the other day he, he texted me, he's a measure tech, he measures kitchens. I, I, I work for a company that fabricates countertops. And so I got to get the measurement from the, for the kitchen from this guy and he hadn't turned it in yet. And so I was asking him, hey, did you get that? And he said, um, man, I don't yet, I'm sorry. He said, I've ha I had a migraine headache today. And uh, it's just, man, just got me out of commission. And so I'll try to get that to you tomorrow. And so I'm just on the other end of a text message here. And I thought, 
Um, I think Jesus, I think you could probably do something about his migraine headache. And so I just sent him a text message and said, hey, I think Jesus can take your headache away today and uh, get me that kitchen measure whenever you get a chance. And he just said, thanks. That was the the text message that came back. And so um, anyway, uh, next day I had to check on something again. And he said, um, I said, how's the headache? And he said, man, it went away faster than it normally does. And it's much better. And I thought, wow. It was another mind renewal moment. You know, it's all over the place, the opportunities to, 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 to do what I think Jesus is, is, is talking about here. Um, Mark 6, verse 30 is the other story that I wanna look at here. The apostles, it says, gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and all they had taught. There is the, the, the doing and the teaching going together again. And then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. This is one of those stories where Jesus multiplies the food. And I think that the uh, disciples thought they were gonna get a little vacation here in this moment of getting to take a break. They'd been ministering to people and Jesus is like, hey, let's slip away. Let's get a few days of rest here. And the disciples start to see all the people going around the lake uh, where they're going. They're gonna meet them on the other side and they're thinking, oh no, our vacation. You know, how are we getting a few days rest if all the people are coming around? And Jesus is probably gonna wanna do that compassion thing again that he does all the time. And sure enough, they were right and he did. And, and so they conferred together and said, hey, Jesus, you know, we were talking and we have a heart for these people, just like we know you have a heart for these people. And they've been running wild, you know, just like we all have. And I think they're hungry. And why don't we send them away so they can go get something to eat, um, you know, before evening sets in. And Jesus says, yeah, good idea. You feed them. And they're probably like waiting for him to laugh and say, I'm just joshing you. But he doesn't. He's serious. And so uh they're like, well, even if we had enough money, you know, there's not like there's stores and everything that are open here to buy food for them. How would we, how would we do it? And he says, well, you, you feed them uh, then. And so he says, hey, put them up into to groups of people and, and you're gonna feed them. This is where the food multiplies. Well, you possibly know the rest of the story. Uh, Jared actually talked about it last week. Um, so, so look at verse 45. It says, immediately after that had happened with the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. And later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. And he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Now, this is a vision. This is word of knowledge because Jesus is on the lake shore. They're four miles on the lake. It's nighttime and it's a storm. So he can't physically see them, but Jesus knew. And so shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake and he was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost and they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. And immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I don't be afraid. Now, this is a little bit fascinating because sometimes when Jesus shows up, it's scary. Sometimes when God shows up on our scene in our life, it can be a little bit scary, maybe a little bit intimidating, maybe like something we've never seen before. And I think these disciples realize we're just a little bit more afraid of actually drowning in this boat than we actually are of going and talking to a ghost on the water. And so we're gonna actually choose that one. And I think that's maybe how it starts with a lot of us in our interactions with God is that God looks scary. We've never seen that before. We don't know about that right there, but I would rather risk that than stay in dead religion here and die. And that's where the birthplace happens. And that's kind of what happens with these disciples when they decide to engage what they thought might be a ghost. They find out it's Jesus. And it says, verse 51, then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down and they were completely amazed 
for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Well, the loaves is the previous story. The loaves is back to the 5,000. What does the loaves have to do with Jesus walking on the water and getting into their boat and climbing? Well, what does that mean? Their hearts were hardened. The breakdown was that they didn't understand that the loaves and the fish actually multiplied at their hands. They thought it happened at Jesus's hands. They thought that the miracle of feeding all these people happened because Jesus was behind it. They didn't realize that he was behind it, but it was at their hands. He didn't just throw the food up and say, hey, all of a sudden when it comes down, there's gonna be enough for everybody. The miracle happened as they actually broke the bread. And I actually saw this happen one time when I was in junior high. We went to the inner city Dallas on a mission trip and we uh, made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the homeless. And the host of the, the mission trip um, said, hey, there's this many people that come to this corner. And so uh, this many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches is what you should make. And so we did. We made that many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, put them in Ziploc baggies. We show up, we do the outreach. It was the mid 90s. So there was a lot of choreo- choreograph- choreographed dancing involved is what I'm trying to say, uh, appropriate for the time frame. And uh, we realized as we're in the middle of the outreach and the music and everything that there are way more people coming than what we had planned peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for. And we thought, oh my word, do we call an audible? Do we just say, hey, the, the outreach is just the dancing or is the outreach gonna actually be the sandwiches still because we don't have near enough. And somebody had the idea, let's just go for it. Let's just try it. And so we decided to, to just go for it and, and let the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches last as long as they would. And every single person got a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that night. And we got to see about four times as many people get fed as there were peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And the realization is that that miracle happened as we stepped out in faith and we distributed it. The disciples in the boat hadn't realized that the miracle happened as they actually distributed the food. The point is that Jesus, God always enables that that he commands. They had, they had all they needed to make it to the other side of the lake, even with that storm, simply because Jesus had put them in the boat and called them to do it. And that's the confidence that we need to, to walk in and to realize that if God has commanded me to do it, that he's gonna enable me to do whatever it is he's commanded me to do. And the renewed mind lives with an understanding that my internal actually affects the external. That the thoughts in my head, that the way I think actually shapes things, not just in my head, but my reality around me. And that is what I feel like the invitation is from God to his people this year, especially. It's always been the case. And I feel like pointedly on this Freedom Sunday that we're celebrating our nation's independence, I feel like God's saying, I want you to celebrate the freedom that you can have in me by renewing your mind and walking as people who build the kingdom of God. And so I want you to put your hand on your heart and I wanna pray for you guys. I just, again, feel like our heart is the portal. Our mind is what God wants to renew. Our heart is the portal for faith. I just wanna pray for us as we end today. Holy Spirit, we say yes the process of mind renewal in the house today. Lord, we are excited about the adventure that lies ahead. It's always been there. And maybe some of us have been on it. Maybe some of us used to be on it. Maybe some of us have never been on the adventure that we've been operating more as a lake inside of us rather than a river that wants to run through us. And we say yes to you writing on the canvas of our heart, God, your story, your ideas, your desires. God, I bless our our hearts and our minds 
to be a, a unique team inside of our lives, to understand, to recognize, to identify, to realize. I think the mind will identify and see opportunities and the heart will provide the risk. The heart will provide the element to say, I'm going for it. I'm diving in, I'm gonna move confidently. And so we thank you, Jesus, for your move on our hearts today, amen. Before we end, I just wanna invite you to pray for each other today. I thought before we walk out of this place, it would make a lot of sense for us to practice our mind renewal and to make decree over one another. I feel like the Lord is wanting to touch us today through each other, especially. And so I wanna invite you, if you have a need today, a miracle, if you need a miracle, would you just stand up? It could be a miracle in your body. In fact, I felt like this whole time that I've been talking, I feel like um, God wants to, he wants to heal joints uh, in your arms, shoulders and elbows, wrists and fingers. If you have any pain, if you've got anything going on, I just felt like the Lord was, was whispering that to me, that he wants to touch joints in limbs, joints in arms. It could be knees. I felt especially like, like arms, shoulders. If you're standing, um, I want you to receive from the people around you. And so if there's somebody standing, would, at least five or six of you, would you kind of go get around them? And here's what I want us to do. I want... I want, if you need a miracle, I want you to explain that to the people that are around you. So we're gonna take a minute, about 60 seconds, and I want you to explain the, the, what you need. And it doesn't have to be an arm joint issue. I just feel like that's what God's saying right now for specifics, but you could have another need and you came to church and you're saying, Man, I can't think about anything else because this need is so big in my life right now. Take about 60 seconds and would you explain to the people around you what your need is? Go ahead and do that. Okay, so you're just explaining what the need is. That's good. We'd rather pray declarations and make decrees about things we know about rather than go 10 minutes on something we really don't know about. So I think it's important that you understand what you're praying for right now, what you're believing God for. Yeah, so just speak to that issue now. Yeah, Jesus heals that spot. That's his heart. That's what he can do. That's what I believe he wants to do. Yeah, we're praying for the storm of pain, the storm of, of lack, the storm of need to be met in Jesus' name. Yeah, speak to the issue. curse on the child of God, the ailments of an accident, it doesn't get to define the rest of our days. 
Yeah, full range of motion. Inflammation goes away in Jesus' name. Yeah, places that were tight and they wouldn't bend, bend freely now, pain-free. Yeah, we pray for healthy blood flow. The blood of Jesus heals. The blood flow in our bodies is God's healing agent inside. So bring healthy blood flow, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. test it if you prayed for a physical part of your body to see if it's better see if it feels better see if it moves better does anybody feel like something got touched something got healed amen yes lord i think that this part right here recognizing that god actually did something that we that we partnered with him to do is as important as recognizing to even go after it in the first place, to give him credit for it. If you pray for something, if you expect something to happen, it doesn't. Jesus prayed for a blind man to receive his vision more than once before it actually brought clarity to his eyes. And so, so keep after it if you didn't recognize or see the difference. Some, sometimes people get healed of something and they don't even know they got healed of it because they didn't actually see if they got healed. If you had a relationship breakdown and you prayed for a relationship, you might need to call the person and say, hey, I'm expecting restoration here. And that might be what God's doing. You, you need to see if God's doing what you just prayed and believed him for. We gotta take it so serious because God's serious about it. Not take ourselves seriously, but take God serious because this is his heart, the kingdom of God coming in waves like we've never seen before. It always gets better with God and we're just the family. We're just the people to partner with God to do it. So I bless you church with renewed mind. I bless you with believing God for impossible things. I bless you for the, with the gift of faith that you've never opened up before, that we would see God manifest in ways that this community is desperate for to have happen in the name of Jesus. Prayer teams, why don't you guys come up here? These prayer teams are gonna be up here for anybody that needs prayer for anything else. Maybe you didn't get prayer just now, or maybe you're not done praying for that thing. If you've never accepted Jesus in your heart as your Lord and Savior, and the faith that we're talking about in your heart has never actually taken place, today is the day of salvation, and these guys would love to lead you into that journey, into that relationship with the Heavenly Father who is so good. Let's give God our best.